Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be doing our best to pitch for the final four books. We have whittled it down and we're at that point in our contest. And then we'll also just give you a quick update on some things that we have been reading. And I guess we should start there first. So Gail, what have you been up to? Oh, let's see. Since we last talked, I think we discussed Mame on the show. So I will go... What I've been reading since Mame. Okay, so I read this book called Really Good Actually by Monica Heisey. And I'm going to apologize. I've got a little bit of a cold. So my voice sounds a little weird today. Monica Heisey, Really Good Actually. You've probably seen this cover around. It's got a redheaded woman with her hair piled high on her head and a messy bun and mascara running down her face. And it is a book about a woman who has just gotten divorced from her husband. They're young. They were only married for a couple of years. They were together about 10 years, but only married for like two. She's in her late 20s. So it's not like a you know midlife divorce book. And it's kind of what I would call a self-absorbed rant about like the failures in her life and being single and missing her husband, even though she seemed very mutually on board with the decision to separate. And I have to just, I gave it three stars, which is for me is not pretty low, pretty low. Most books get four stars and occasionally a five star, three stars for me, because while I think she's very funny, it sort of felt like a stand up routine and 300 pages of it was too much. Oof! It was just, I don't know. It, it kind of graded on me after a while. And I, I mean, again, there were definitely really funny parts and times when I laughed out loud and times where I could, you know, really sort of feel for her, but I, it just, it became too much. And she was just a little bit too dramatic and self-absorbed about, you know, this one very unpleasant thing that happened to her, but like, ultimately she still had like a pretty good life and didn't seem like she missed him all that much. I don't know. So that was not great. And then I read a book called Atomic Family by Sierra Horton McElroy. And this is a book about a small family, mom, dad, and son, 10-year-old son, who live in South Carolina in 1961. And they live in the shadow of a nuclear power plant where the father works. He works as an agronomist, someone who is analyzing the soil to detect the impacts, if any, of radioactive waste on the health of the soil. And it's a 24-hour book, which you know I don't love, but it it does have a lot of flashbacks. So even though the live action is only over the course of one day, there's lots of backstory that fills it up. So that's why the 24-hour piece didn't bother me quite as much. And it's just about this one day. The wife has a lot of sort of frustrations in her marriage. She's lonely and she's a housewife. She doesn't have a lot to do. The, the husband is feeling very conflicted because he has detected a lot of really negative results in his in his testing that the plant is actually causing a lot of problems in the soil and he has to decide how he's gonna how and if he's going to raise this and expose what's going on and the son is completely obsessed with the Cold War and spends his days like searching for communists because he's been kind of indoctrinated by the world around him and the media and his father about 
this the, the looming red threat of communism. And so they the three of them are kind of living these very like separate kind of interior lives and it's about how they kind of converge in one fateful day when there's an accident. I won't reveal what happens. So I thought it was really good. Like it's a time period that's not written about very much. It's kind of like early 60s Cold War thing. I feel like we have lots of like World War II fiction, lots of contemporary fiction. Increasingly more World War One fiction, I feel like. Yeah, right. World War One. People don't really analyze this period that much, probably because there's not like active combat. There's not, you know, lots of like sort of immediate things to write about. But I thought that she did a good job. This was a debut and uh, and it was not, you know, not a light read at all, but it was good. Was this the early 60s? I mean, because yeah. there's been like civil rights movement here. 1961. Okay. So, yeah. so, I mean, I guess that time period is written about often, maybe from a civil rights perspective, but not from a Cold War <sighs> perspective. So that this is what I've finished. My I have a blow dry book going, which as you know is always fun. Um, and I'm reading a book that I, I talked about on I think our winter preview show, nonfiction called The Teachers by Alexandra Robbins, and it's about a year in the life of three different public school teachers across the country. And it's really a very very sad commentary about the way teachers are treated and how difficult their lives have been, especially since the pandemic. And how much is expected of them and how little given to them to meet those the challenges that they're facing. So I'm maybe a quarter of the way through. And, you know, I read like four pages a day when I blow dry my hair. But so far, I'm, I'm liking that. And I just started a book called Bookworm, which is completely not what I expected. Like, Oh, is it not about bookworms? <laughs> well, it's about this woman who's in a very unhappy marriage and she reads a ton. So she sort of escapes into her reading and it's turning out to be about a, her toxic marriage and it's get, getting very dark, which is not bad. I, I'm actually enjoying it. It's just one of those complete mismatch between cover and content. <laughs> like it just right. like the cover has this woman, on, you know, it's sort of looks like a, like a chiclet you know, woman reading a book. It's like not, not a picture. It's like a drawing. It's very much not what you would, you would expect it to be really light and it's just not at all. I have no idea where she's going with it, but I'm doing it on audio and it's definitely keeping my attention. So Bookworm by Robin Yeatman. That sounds really good. Yeah. I'll let you know how it turns out. Even though, yes, that with that title Bookworm, you're expecting something light and frothy and I don't know, maybe people fall in love in a bookstore or... Something, yeah, yeah. something totally that's not right. what you just said. So, how about you? All right. Well, I started, and and by started, I mean I'm in like the first few pages of of the Emma Straub book that you recommended, her latest one. Remind me of the name. This time tomorrow. Yes. Oh, how do you like it? I mean, I'm like six pages in, but so far so good. Okay, good. I think it'll be interesting. Like I've just met her boyfriend and, you know, their setup of how they don't live in the same apartment together. <laughs> he has a much nicer apartment. So I'm I'm very early in the book, but it seems like it's one that I could get into. So I don't think, I'm not sure at what round this got knocked out. Oh, actually it's this round. Okay. <laughs> so this, this time tomorrow Spoiler. did not make it to our final four, but I'm reading it now. So glad that you were inspired to read it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've read one book that I liked by Emma Stroud. 
And I don't know if I read any, I don't think I've read any others. I think I lucked out with that one book and so far had not tried my luck, but I do like a good time travel or alternate, you know, alternate universe, alternate time story. So which is the one that you read that you liked? Do you remember reading that? I think I read, was it Modern Lovers? Yeah. This one that you didn't really like. Is it the one in Brooklyn? Yeah. 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 So I'm reading that. And that was really a nice follow-up because I read Layla Motley's Nightcrawling, which was a very heavy book. Um, Right. So well-written, so good, but so heavy. So that one is about this woman, Kiara Johnson, this very young woman. I think she's 17 when the book starts. And, you know, she is like down on her luck. Mom's in jail. Her dad is dead. Her older brother, who had kind of pledged to look after her, has just fallen down on the job because he has now decided that he wants to follow in his uncle's footsteps and be a rapper like they are two minutes away from getting evicted. He's not stepping up. And she's also responsible for like this young nine-year-old neighbor that she has whose mother is also on drugs. So she kind of keeps an eye on him and considers him her family. And so she's like running out of options. And one night she just kind of accidentally falls into prostitution and decides to pursue that as a way to, you know, just keep her in her home and keep her eating. And, you know, as this evolves, she becomes involved with the East, with the Oakland police department. And there is an investigation when, you know, they are linked to trafficking young women or prostitution. So it's a pretty bleak, it's a pretty bleak novel, but it's, it's very interesting in the way that it's told. Like she's such a good writer Just the descriptions are so poetic and just, you know, her take on things because while her circumstances are bleak, I feel like this young woman is just putting her, you know, best foot forward. She's trying to figure things out. And it's not like her life is totally without devoid of hope or love, I think, which adds to its depth. So I can't recommend it enough. It's Nightcrawling by Leela Motley. Uh, I think she started... That's what I was just saying. I have it sitting right here. Oh, okay. I've been been daunted by it. Have you? Did you start? No. Or just the the subject matter? Just, I just know it's going to be a really heavy read. So I just, for whatever reason, I put it off. Yeah. Yeah. I did feel a heaviness while I was reading it, like I said, but it is balanced. And I feel like the perspective it gives is that, you know, the things that you look at on the outside and maybe judge harshly, or you think that you would not sur- survive, you know, of course, her perspective is not that because she has to survive. You know, she's being wronged in so many ways, but certain things are just a given and she's just figuring out her life and finding joy where she can. So it, it's it's so good. But okay. I am glad to be reading the Emma Straub novel after that because, well, I don't know, there's death of a parent in this one. So Maybe I won't be so happy to be following it up with that. I'm not sure now. <laughs> right. It's just a very different tones. Like just, it's time tomorrow is sad for sure, but it's, I wouldn't call it bleak. Right. 
So the other book that I listened to on audio, congratulations to me for listening to a book, finishing a book on audio, was actually a Reese's Book Club pick. It's called The House in the Pines. It has a really low score on Goodreads. It's a 3.19, which I think is pretty low. I feel like everything tops out around 3.6 on Goodreads. So seems like a fair amount of people may not have liked this book, but I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. What's it about? So it's about this, it's, it's, it's got these odd elements because it's about this young woman, you know, who had been friends with an older man, like the summer before she goes to college and her best friend mysteriously drops dead in front of this man that they have been spending time with. So Maya is the man, is the woman who's, you know, young woman who's involved with Frank when she's a senior in high school. And then the other time period that this covers is seven years later. You know, Maya is living in Boston. You know, she has a loving boyfriend, but she is kind of, you know, her head is still stuck in this place with what happened with Frank and Maya and how she is just convinced that Frank is linked to Maya's death. Like he did something, even though no one can prove anything. And then a video starts circulating about another woman who drops dead in Frank's presence. So of course, Maya decides that she has to go digging into her past to just figure out what happened that summer. You know, like is Frank managing to kill these women? Is there something else going on? It's kind of interspersed with the story of her father, who she didn't get to know, who has left this book that he had been in the middle of writing and which he had translated or started translating when she was 17. So she just kind of returns to these old pursuits. And at the same time, she's trying to kick her habit. She has like a secret addiction to clonopin that she's just, you know, she was given it to cope after her friend's death and just never managed to kick the habit. So she's doing all this while in withdrawal. I listened to it. I liked the narrator. I thought she was fine. I think I sped it up a little bit, but I thought the story was engaging. And I thought it was interesting where it went. So I really enjoyed it. I'm so, I want to know what happened. You'll have to tell me later what happened. (laughs) Yeah. So in terms of what, in addition to this time tomorrow, I'm also reading this book by Grace M. Cho called Tastes Like War, a memoir. And that is also excellent. It's about this Korean woman. It's written by the daughter of a Korean woman who married a white American merchant. Marine around the time of the Korean War. And so, you know, she tells tells the tale of three mothers. You know, there's the mother that she can barely remember when she was young, who was energetic and engaged with the community and, you know, trying to fit in to a very, I guess, white environment, because I believe that they're living in the Midwest. But she's trying to fit in through food and she is very involved, but then suffers from schizophrenia later. So that's the second mother who's kind of withdrawn from life, very paranoid. And when her daughter grows up, she decides that she is going to, first of all, she becomes like a psychiatrist and she decides that she wants to investigate like the cause of her mother's schizophrenia. Like, so, you know, what happened during the Korean war before she met her her husband, 
you know, there were some survival aspects there. Definitely. She was isolated from the community. And then there's the third mother who she finally starts to kind of reach out to by cooking the recipes that her mother like cooked for her when she was younger and also things that her mother ate when she was growing up. And it's, it's just so good. Like a time period you really don't hear about with the Korean, the Korean war, even though there was a New York time times article about, you know, comfort women. So I think it's like becoming more prevalent to just hear what was happening uh, at that time with women just, you know, being co-opted by the military, you know, for, just for sex and and how they were ostracized by their communities and also exploited. Hmm. Okay. And this is an older book, but it, yeah, I think it came out in 2021. I feel like you're definitely going a heavy route. I know. I don't know, but the writing is just so good. The lives are so interesting that I'm okay with it. I'm making it through. But I did start listening to something that is science, not science fiction, it's more fantasy on on audio, so that's nice. Huh, okay. So I've got a nice, I've got something, at least that is light. I mean, it's, yeah, lighter than, lighter than the two I just described. All right, so we have come down to the final four. You all got a little bit of a spoiler when I mentioned that Emma Straub's book, This Time Tomorrow, did not make it. So now I will tell you that it was up against French Braid by Ann Tyler. So, and then between your book Signal Fire by Danny Shapiro and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, Signal Fires took the lead. And so those will be the two books, Gail, that you have to make, make a case for, for why they should be, you know, in the final in the final. All right. You want me to go first? Yep. Okay. So Signal Fire and French Parade. Wow. Those two are very similar. Hmm. And so I'm not surprised that they have both done well because they're both really good. So Signal Fires, as I've talked about many, many times on the show, is about a family. It's about a couple of families who whose lives intersect because they're neighbors and they're all dealing with kind of life passages and changes and growing old and illnesses and sort of all of the, all of the difficult things that we go through as families and as people, as humans. And it's told through Danny Shapiro's very empathetic and observant eye and just a beautifully written book that that was my favorite book of 2022. There's some sort of slightly new agey elements to it, which I think you can ignore if you don't like them. And if you do like them, then great, there they are. And, you know, maybe that for me knocked it down for being like a perfect book, just because I'm definitely not into anything that sort of borders on magical realism. So there's a little bit of that element in there too. And that's where the signal fires of the, of the title come from. But in the end, I just found it to be an incredibly powerful and very sort of universal book about just, you know, difficult things that we all face and go through. French Braid is a, I thought, sort of expertly constructed 
also family novel about a family in Baltimore and all of the kids and how they kind of how their lives braid and thread together over the years. Hence the the title also. Ann Tyler writes quiet books without a lot of drama or action. The real sort of the dynamism of them comes from small interactions and observations about people. And I just thought she did a beautiful job with this one. I've read several Ann Tyler's over the years. I think she's in great form with this one. It's, uh, you know, it's very, it's very typical. It sort of all takes place in a, in, a, in a small geographic area, but I just thought it was a beautifully written book about a family and just how people relate to each other and how they change over the years and how they don't. So I think both of them are very universal in that they just deal with the things that we all go through, both beautifully written, both really stuck with me and I like them both a lot. So that's a tough, I think that's going to be a tough pairing because there's a lot to recommend both of them. Okay. So I had the books I'm going to be talking about are more than you'll ever know by Katie Gutierrez, which won out decisively over win me something. And then black top wasteland over complicit by Winnie Emily. So Blacktop Wasteland and More Than You'll Ever Know are the ones that are going to be advancing and that I'm going to be discussing in this round. So these books are different. Um, they're really they're really different. So More Than You'll Ever Know by Katie Gutierrez is about a young woman who comes from a troubled family. She is a true crime. She's like, like a, a true crime beat person for a newspaper. So she has to turn out basically five to six stories about true crime each day as part of her job. You know, she struggles with the you know, the aspect of whether it's exploitive or not, or whether she's really respected because she covers these murders every day. But she comes across a case that she really likes. It's about this woman who many years ago was at the center point of a tragedy. So the woman's name is Delore and she had been married to two different men. She lived in Texas. And so one of the men that she marries is in Mexico. And in her travels, she spends time just developing two different lives with these men. And then one of them kills the other, which is at the heart of this investigation that Cassie wants to get to the bottom of. So you know, there are a lot of issues with this one just about motherhood. Cassie has her own kind of convoluted memory of her mother based on, you know, there was abuse in the home and now what her role is in protecting her younger, much younger brother from that abuse and like what was going on with her mother. And just she's in a relationship that, you know, she's not sure if it's just because she wants to feel safe. So there's lots of these issues about like women's choices and freedom and, you know, what makes you selfish or unnatural as a woman? Like, you know, what are your responsibilities as a mother, as a wife? These are things that Cassie grapples with. And these are also things that, you know, Delore grappled with and kind of wanted to have it all in terms of having different aspects of the relationship she had 
that contributed to her well-being and you know like what right did she have to that in in the wake of such tragedy so that's more than you'll ever know cassie and laura like develop this relationship because laura agrees to sit down and talk to her about what happened all these years ago and of course there is an element of mystery surrounding the circumstances of that day when one husband killed the other. So Blacktop Wasteland is almost, is completely different from that. This one takes us to contemporary Virginia where a car mechanic named Beauregard Montage is, you know, he's struggling to be a husband and a father. Like his father was involved in a life of crime. Um, I think he was also a getaway driver and bug before he got married and settled down, you know, did try to follow his footsteps a little bit and was a getaway car driver. Um, He has a series of setback in his business. Like he lives in a small, like I said, small Virginia town, you know, like there are racial prejudice elements of what he's facing and his business falls on hard times. So he just needs like one job. We'll get him going and just put him back on the straight and narrow. That's where he wants to be, you know, like he wants to be an upstanding citizen. But part of the themes of this book is just like how difficult that can be when you don't have a lot of resources, when you're basically struggling to keep yourself blue collar. And, you know, just like one little setback just makes your life really precarious. So, of course, a job comes along that he cannot refuse because he does this one job. It will solve all of his money problems and he will be able to just, you know, go back to supporting his family and go back to running his car garage. Of course, things do not go smoothly. And this is like a high octane mystery where he is, you know, like when something goes wrong with this job that he's a driver for, he has to figure things out very quickly because it puts his family in danger. It puts his own life in danger. So the theme in this novel too, is just like fatherhood, you know, like Bo, what does it take to be a good father, his relationship with his own father, and also just themes of identity, you know, like struggling to be a family man when he really has an attraction to kind of like the dark side and is he able to be a family man when he has that and which which part of him is stronger and which part of him is more true to him? So I think both novels, in a sense, are about identity and who you are in your interpersonal relationships. You know, like, what is it that you need to be an individual? This one is just like such a high octane. It's like really fast paced. Characters are really well done and really great. Like, this is just... I think more than you'll ever know is more of a slow burn blacktop wasteland just hits the ground running and you're just like caught up in Bo's life. So they both just have themes that I feel like will always kind of be relevant. You know, women are always going to be trying to figure out where they belong in society. You know, what does it take to be a good mother, a good wife? Are these things that they want? And just how much do you sacrifice you know, personal identity for your family. And Bo in this essay, Cosby, he, through his character, kind of takes on those same themes from a different aspect. So, but I think they're both books that will, you know, 
address the issues that they sought out to investigate. They will both stand the, the test of time. They're both very well written. Very different. And very different. Unlike mine, which were kind of similar. I don't I mean, they have, you know, like the, the aspect of parenthood and, and what it takes to be a good parent and struggling with who you really are and juggling those roles. I think those elements are kind of present in both in both books. Blacktop Wasteland looks at it from, you know, issues of race, class, and I think more than you'll ever know looks at it from a perspective of of women. So very curious to see what you all come back with as the final two choices. And then, you know, Gail and I will have to duke it out. Duke it out for, you know, what is the best book that we've read over the last year exciting. And on that note, we will see you next time. Happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.